nothing knows. Nothing knows. Nothing knows. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. Listen along as accomplished guests discuss success and failures during their journeys as entrepreneurs, business owners, and investors. Bettering your position starts by learning from those who went before you. That learning experience can happen anywhere, in the car, at the beach, or on a treadmill. There are no excuses for where you end up in life. If you want something bigger, the time to take action is now. There is no better time in history to achieve success. The hosts, Brian and Stu, are both Marine Corps veterans who believe life is what you make it. Your place in life is determined by your decisions. If you want more information on the podcast, please check out the website at nothingowed.com. No BS stands for Nothing Owed with Brian and Stu. That's what you're going to get with the show. Are you ready? All right. Welcome to the uh, Nothing Owed podcast. This is uh, actually our first Real episode. Inaugural podcast. Inaugural podcast. And in uh, 2020, uh, that's pretty awesome that we uh, finally got this going, considering everything that's been going on. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh, finally be uh, getting this going, and I hope everyone out there uh, enjoys it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's start with this. Uh, on the other end of the microphone, we got uh, Stu Scheller, who is an active duty Marine. Uh, so if, if you'd like, Stu, why don't you uh, give yourself a brief introduction, tell everyone about yourself, and then uh, I'll do the same. Yeah, appreciate it, Brian. So my name's Stu Scheller, active duty Marine, been in for about 15 years, have deployed pretty much everywhere, Iraq, Afghanistan, I was in the uh, Israel-Lebanon conflict in 06, Horn Africa, pretty much everywhere. And um, infantry guy, mostly East Coast, um, did a lot of time in infantry battalions, did a year in Marsoc, uh, done some formal schools, so on and so forth. And um, what I've also done recently in the last couple of years is I've launched a couple of small businesses that have gotten some notoriety. I'm trying to generate some passive income, uh, cast in a wide net while I am still active duty. And the most uh, known one is called the Perfect Ribbon. And we make devices that allow military members to attach, whether it's stars, oak leaf clusters, different attachments to the ribbons. It's doing real well. We can talk about that and we'll get into it later in the podcast. But I just want to say I'm super excited. We've got a lot of good content and uh, ready to get into it. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, introduce myself a little bit. Um, I'm also a Marine, um, although uh, I was uh, honorably discharged several years ago. Um, I don't want to think about how long it was ago because it makes me feel old. But uh, I was a forward observer at uh, 514 Seal Beach, California. I checked out of my unit in 2005, Um, so I've been out for a little while. But uh, my background outside of the Marine Corps has been um, mainly retail, mainly customer service, mainly uh, sales. And uh, my current career uh, is kind of government service related. Uh, But my reason for starting this podcast is I wanted to, kind of along what Stu was saying, is I wanted to do something different. And I don't want to have a W-2 job for the rest of my life. I don't want to spend the rest of my life working and then retire and then drop dead. And while that sounds morbid, that's reality for a lot of people. And our our reasoning for doing this podcast is exactly that, is to teach everyone out there and ourselves too, that there's so much opportunity out there. 
there there's so many options for people in in 2020 that if you're in that position and you are looking for a change the tools are out there and along the theme of this show is you know our title nothing owed you know nothing's owed to you you know if you're unhappy in your your life you're unhappy with with where you're at you're not entitled to anything you're you're not entitled to a better job or better pay you know you you're entitled to fair treatment and everything else but as far as you know more money or any of that stuff it's up to you to to earn it it's up to you to to change your position in life and, and that's what we want to highlight and we're going to focus uh, on the show on a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs that have started small businesses and we're going to focus on all the things that they did leading up to those businesses and we're going to focus on the, the struggles that they had and we're going to focus on the steps that they took to to make that first step you know to get started into you know, entrepreneurship or financial independence or, or whatever you want to call it. But the, the tools are out there. And, you know, one of the things that, that blows my mind is, you know, in 2020, not only do we have access to the internet, but in the palm of your hand, if you have a smartphone, you have access to the world's information. You have podcasts and books and college courses and and everything else. It's it's really phenomenal when you really think about it, the, the amount of information that you have in the palm of your hand. And never before in human history has, has that ever been possible. And I don't think anyone could have ever anticipated the access to information that, that everyone has now. And even if you don't have a smartphone, which I don't know who doesn't, but even if you don't, the information is still out there on the internet and the tools are out there. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll get into it. But um, when we talked about this, Brian, you know, having access to information is one thing yes. and, and there's a lot of ways to make yourself smarter. But I think the other big part of it is going out there and being a, a person of action. Exactly. And so you can make yourself smarter up to a point, but there, there has to be a line where you take that knowledge and you do something with it. There's so many smart people out there in the world that don't do anything. Yes. And honestly, I think grit and willpower is more important than a lot of other things. And that's what I'm excited to bring people in here and talk about is just, you know, what baseline knowledge did they have? What did they read? What did they learn from it? But then what did they do with that? And, that, and that's what I want to talk about. No, that's great. And, that, and that's an excellent point too. And, you know, I can say from personal experience, that's, that's something that I struggled with. And, you know, some people will call it analysis paralysis. You know, I'm sure you've heard that term. But, you know, the short version of that is you can very easily get overwhelmed with the amount of information out there because there's always something new. There, there's always a new podcast. There's always a new book to read. There, there's always new information. Uh, you know, even YouTube, for example, is YouTube can is amazing. But at the same time, you know, it would take thousands of lifetimes <laughs> to get through a, a small fraction of what's on YouTube. And it, it's increasing every day. So, you know, like, like Stu said, that's exactly kind of the, what we want to convey is that yes, information is, is, is important and it's useful, but at, at some point you have to make that decision to take the first step. You have to step off and, and start, start the march, start the climb, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so you got to decide for yourself, okay, where's the direction I want to go and, and how do I want to get there? And I, at least for me, what I find helpful is, you know, starting with end in mind, you know, and I'm not the first person to, to say that by any means, but I, I like that term and lay out a timeline for yourself. You know, where do you want to be? And, you know, the more information you have, you can kind of help yourself determine what it's going to take to get there. And, you know, for some people it's financial independence. For some people it's their own business. For some people it's a career change, but wherever you want to go, you can get there. But like, you know, like Stu said, it's very easy to drown yourself in information and, and never take time to, to make those changes or to implement those changes. 
Uh, and, you know, that's that's really what we want to focus on. And we want to just reiterate that point and hit it home as hard as we can that information is great, but you got to take action because you can be the smartest yeah. person in the world. And if you never do anything, it doesn't matter. I, 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 every time we talk about this, I think of different examples, but what just popped into my head, I just did. I got a master's in military science two years ago at the command staff college. And that school is just filled with PhD civilian professors that just, you know, look at me, I'm a fountain of wealth about military history and they want to tell me all about warfare. But at the end of the day, these guys have never been in the military. They've never been to war. Right. And so there's just, I, I draw a line between, you know, academics who don't do and then the people that go out there and actually do. And uh, I just got a lot more respect for the people that show me, show me what they can do with action and, you know, it's still, you can influence history, organizations uh, with ideas, uh, but I still have a lot of respect for the people that, that have the courage to go out there and do something about it. No, absolutely. And, and, and that brings up a good point too. Maybe we could kind of dig into that a little bit. You know, there seems to be a big push for uh, college education, you know, nowadays. And what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? You know, how do you feel about, you know, this idea that everybody should go to college and, you know, everybody should get several different degrees and you know what, what what do you think about that i mean is that is that a path that most people should take or you know how how would someone decide if college is, is the right way for them you know in in your opinion yeah so i've got three boys nine eight and five so i think about this a lot and my dad paid for four children to go to college and i analyzed the four of us and return on investment and it's just so squishy and i've read books the authors of freakonomics um just wrote a, a new book called think like a freak and <laughs> they uh, basically explore different things and, and they're they address exactly this and they say going and getting a bachelor's is it still worth it and they say yes in the short run and yes in the long run and they they lay out the math and the metrics but you know i think the most important job or most important book for an entrepreneur is rich dad poor dad yep. and if you go through that he, he points out kind of the go to school, study hard, get a job fallacy uh, that, you know, I don't know if that recipe is successful uh, as at least as much as it used to be. I think it helps people prevent from falling into poverty, but it doesn't really bring them the financial wealth. And it's, you know, by playing by the safety rule of, you know, go to school, study hard, get a job, and then you can get a pension. Um, I, I just don't know if it sets you up. And, I, and I've seen some of my friends that either didn't go to college or had a good job and then got out and started their own company. And, you know, I've seen some that have been very successful and some that have kind of destroyed their lives doing it too. So you got any situation you have to evaluate your risk. I talked about me starting a company and I didn't just get out of the Marine Corps. I'm still in the Marine Corps managing my risk because I, you know, I've got a wife and three kids. Right. And so every situation is different, uh, but I am not convinced that going and getting the check in the box for a degree is yeah, completely makes sense in all situations. And, you know, you got to apply your judgment to that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, it's one of those books that, you know, anyone that has an entrepreneurial mindset almost inevitably has always said that that's the book that, that changed their life. And, you know, I have to say it was kind of, it was probably an eye opener for me too, because I'm of the age where, you know, kind of like you said, you go to school, go to college, get a job and retire. And that was kind of what I was taught. You know, although my family wasn't real big in education, but that was kind of all they knew. 
So that was kind of the path that I started down. Although like I never finished college and looking back on it, I think maybe it was a blessing because everything that I've, um, everything I've been able to do is, has been just from kind of educating myself and, you know, working hard in the different jobs that I've had. And I've been able to, to promote and, and, you know, move up based on the education and the experience that, that I gained. And, you know, maybe a degree would have changed my life, but one of the big things about rich dad, poor dad, that they really talk, they really hammer home is it's how money works and it defines what an asset and what a liability is. And that was one thing that, that really struck home with me. And it, it kind of, I think plays into the, the whole college mindset too. But if you haven't read rich dad, poor dad, definitely do it. <laughs> but to kind of summarize what, what Stu was saying is, you know, part of the gist of, of the book is you're, you want to use your money to purchase assets and not liabilities and how uh, Robert Kiyosaki defines a liability is anything that costs you money. Whereas an asset is anything that generates money and generates cash flow. That That's a big deal. So if you look at a college education almost as a liability, you kind of have to do the math in your head and say, okay, if I'm going to spend fifty, hundred thousand dollars on an education, what's my return on that? You know, am I going to put myself at a hundred thousand dollars in debt and how long is it going to take me to pay that off? And, you know, one of the things that I think is changing rapidly, and I think this is one thing that everyone needs to consider, especially if you have young kids, is that a lot of these careers that people are getting degrees for are are disappearing. Um, you know, you think about all the all the major companies that exist now, most of them, or I shouldn't say most of them, but a lot of them didn't exist 10 years ago. You know, 15, 20 years ago, Amazon didn't exist. Uh, even 10 years ago, people never really anticipated Amazon, you know, being as as big as it is now, but things change, things are changing so fast now that I think it would be real easy to, to fall in that trap of, I'm going to go to college, get a good degree, and then I'm going to get a job. And that is going to be able to allow me to repay, you know, my college loans. But there's a real good chance that whatever career you start out of college may not exist by the time you get ready to retire. So you may be, be digging yourself a hole that you can never dig out of. Um, and that's, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I have, you know, three kids also, uh, they're a little bit older, but, um, I think about that a lot too. It's like, how do you best prepare for, you know, for the future? And, and that was, that thought is kind of what inspired this podcast. You know, it's the future's changing rapidly and either you take charge of your future or you leave it up to somebody else. And when you work for someone else, you're trusting your future into someone else's hands. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's fine. That's all they want. And if that's, if that's what satisfies you, then great, you know, no issue there. But I think for someone that wants more in life, you know, you, the one way to protect yourself, the one way to ensure that you will be secure and you will be wealthy and you will be financially free, whatever that, however you define it for yourself is it can be entrepreneurship. It can be, you know, investing, it can be real estate. There's so many ways to do it. And there's so many people out there that are doing it successfully that I think, um, you know, I think people need to realize that the economy is changing and you have to be prepared for change. You have to be able to adapt yeah. to change. Uh, so the, the economy is changing. I'm going to jump in there. But yeah, please. The, the one thing I want to point out is, I mean, even in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the poor dad was a doctor, right? And I feel like when you're going to school, at least I got a bachelor's in science in accounting and I ended up becoming an infantry officer, right? So I didn't do anything with accounting, but you could still argue that I wouldn't have been an officer had I not got the degree um, in that book, 
he talked about how both dads, the poor dad who, you know, took the stable career, which I kind of think college propels you to an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, uh, but you're still working for somebody else. Right. And then the, the rich dad was the one that took risks and was kind of an entrepreneur. But both of those people stress the importance of education. So no one's not saying don't get educated. You right. have to be educated to be successful. What I'm pushing back against is just going through the motions right. of school and that's what's going to make you financially free. And, and I'm not sure that's the case. And and if I do have my kids, if I'm paying the full ticket going to college, I think I'm going to force them to start an LLC and start a business. Uh, even if it fails, just going through the motions, I felt like would have been really valuable for me when I was in college because I mean, I was just showing up and going to class and checking right. the box and um, didn't really put it together until a little bit later in life. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, that, and that's a good point too. And, and I totally agree with that. It's, there are plenty of people, like you said, that, that go to college and get these amazing degrees, but they did just go through the motions and all they've really done is educated, educated themselves to be a good student or to, you know, thrive in the academic environment. So education comes in a lot of forms and, you know, we're not, we're definitely not saying don't, <laughs> don't go to college or anything like that, but make your education mean something to you. You know, it, yeah. it has to be, exactly. it has to be useful. It has to be practical and you have to, you have to do something with all that knowledge, yep. you know? Uh, don't don't just go to college to get that degree because getting some random degree that has no practical use and putting yourself in a, in a massive debt, it, it, you're starting at a disadvantage because all you're doing is digging yourself a hole. Um, but at the same time, if if there's a if there's a degree or a field you can get into and that college education is required, then you know by all means you know go for it. But you know everything everything comes at a cost and everything. Um, you know, whether it's your time or your money or anything like that, there, there's a cost to it. So just be aware of, of what that time and, um, or that money is, is going to cost you in the long run. Um, and it's not just, it's not just people getting out of college either. I mean, let's use military, for example, because we, you know, we're both in the Marine Corps when most senior officers get out. So let's say they retire at 20 years, 80% of them end up in the beltway taking some type of contractor job because it pays $120,000 to $150,000 and they're ultimately doing very similar stuff because it's safe and they're still kind of a slave to that corporate structure. So we're not, I mean, these are, you know, 45, 50 year olds. Um, and so I guess there's never a great time in your life to just, you know, roll the dice and go out there and try and be your own boss. But that's what I'm going to do when I get out. Uh, my only goal is not to be uh, working for somebody else. Yeah. And, and I don't care if I fail or if I'm wildly successful, it's going to be my own, on my own merits. And at, at some point you only get one shot at this. Why not go out there and take a risk? And there's never a good time, you know? No, exactly. And actually if you, and I would probably argue a little bit to that is if you wait for the perfect time, you're, you're one, never going to move forward. And two, you know, if the economy is, maybe in a, a downswing or maybe, you know, times are tough. Why not? Why not take a chance when things are less than ideal? Because if you can make something work in an environment that's not perfect, then I think that would only add to your success. Whereas, you know, if you think back to 2007, 2008, before the housing market took a, took a crap, everybody's making money in real estate. Well, okay. Everyone was successful, but at the same time, what was their success based on? It was based on, you know, numbers that were highly inflated. It was based on things that weren't sustainable. So a lot of those people failed because they didn't have the knowledge of how to make things work 
in in a bad economy. You know, it's easy to make money when everybody else is, but I think the real key is understanding that adversity and understanding, you know, the pitfalls and then still making it work. And if you can make it work now or make it work when the economy is maybe in a recession, you're just going to be that much more successful when, when the economy, you know, swings up. And, you know, maybe I think we're kind of in a holding pattern right now, as far as the economy goes and we're kind of waiting, everyone's holding their breath to waiting to see how everything plays out. But I think, you know, again, we, we said it before, but the trick is you just got to move forward. You got to make, you got to tell yourself, I have to make a decision. I have to move forward. And there are all different ways to look at that. But, you know, one of the things that the military teaches formulate a plan and execute it because, but don't wait for that perfect plan because waiting for that perfect plan is, is never going to happen. Um, but, you know, get as much knowledge as you need to execute your plan to the best of your ability, but you got to move forward and you, you have to understand that you will make mistakes. And like you said, you know, you may fail, but you can't be afraid of failure because even when you do fail, you can still learn from those mistakes. And even if stuff goes wrong, you can still learn from it. But the key is just to move forward and just to make that decision and, you know, be practical with the decisions you make, but you just got to do it. And I'm saying that from experience, you know, there, there are a lot of things that I have been sitting on for a couple of years and I'll tell you, time goes by so fast that if you don't, if you don't take action today, a year, two years, five years are going to go by and you're going to be nowhere. You know, you're going to be in the same spot you were before, but it's those little steps, you know, it's whether it's a phone call or, or even if it's, it's the most minor thing, a lot of those little things that you can do lead to bigger things and it starts that ball rolling. Um, and I, I'm saying that from personal experience, it's, you just got to do it, you know, you, you have yeah. to do it. So uh, another way of saying what you're saying is, you know, planning is essential. The plan is worthless. And the point of that is when you are going through the planning process, you think through all these things, but kind of like you said earlier, you can't be paralyzed by right. it. I was listening to the Brian Hamilton podcast and somebody asked him like, you know, building the business plan is free and it's so easy. Everybody should be doing it. What are your thoughts? And you know, this is a guy that sold his company for you know hundreds of millions he came back and said, you know, respectfully, I disagree. He said uh, most entrepreneurs at one point owned a landscaping or landscaping business. And if you were to ask them what their business plan was, they'd write on a piece of paper, make money. <laughs> and I thought that was so insightful because, you know, a lot of people just get paralyzed by, we got to think through this. I was just talking to my buddy the other day and his wife, he said, was starting a business and it's been five years in the making. And hasn't even launched it yet. And I, and I don't know what it is. Maybe there's a, a completely valid reason for it because I didn't want to get into the details. But, you know, at a certain point, you just got to launch. It. You just right. got to go. And it goes back to our conversation about, you know, reading and reading and reading, uh, but never actually taking action. Uh, sometimes I think you just got to take action. And, yeah. and even if it's a small steps, like you were saying, a little bit at a time. Uh, but, you know, the, the business plan is make money. Right. Well, now, let, let's talk about that for a minute since since you brought it up. I think for anyone out there that is starting a business, you know, they, they have heard that term, you know, business plan. And I mean, I think in some cases it, it, it can be useful, but do you think, and I'm just asking just from my own knowledge, I don't have an opinion one way or the other, but do you think that a business plan should be geared towards someone who's looking for like outside investment and looking to go, you know, get partners and looking to build something larger? Um, 
you know, yes. Yeah, that's what a business plan is most often used for. I mean, for a couple of my companies, I have wrote business plans for all the reasons we've already discussed. You know, planning is essential and it helps me see two steps down the road. But the problem is specifically in the beginning phases of a business startup, things just change so fast that the business plan almost immediately becomes outdated. Now, once things are get big enough that they stabilize, you can maybe have a little bit more prediction. But like when I launched my company, The Perfect Ribbon, we were expecting to sell one to two products a week and I sold 200 in the first week, 350 by the first month. I'm rapidly scaling up and you know my business plan would have been worthless at that point. However, if you go to take on investment, just like you alluded to, if I wanna get a small business loan, I have to show them a business plan. If I wanna take on a venture capitalist, I have to show them a business plan. So there are times where you, you just have to do it um, but, you know, I think if you're launching it and you can bootstrap it, 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 it is a good utility um, to just kind of think through when will I have to scale up? What are some things I'm going to have to do? But I don't think it's uh, critical. That's interesting. Well, that's a good point. You know, since you brought it up, if you don't mind, uh, let's talk about, you know, you and, and how you started the perfect ribbon. Because uh, from that is there, I, I like the story. I, I love what you did. Um, you know, so let, let's dig into that. Let, let's kind of talk about your inspiration for that. And then maybe some of the steps you took to, to get that, you know, uh, off the ground. Yeah. Um, I think every single person has had an idea for an invention and thought, this is something that's brilliant. And then what do 99.9% .9 of people do with that idea? Nothing, right? Yep. It just gets, it gets lost in the shuffle. And that's what happened to me in 2012. I had gotten back from Afghanistan and I was a mid-level captain. And because I had deployed so many times, I accrued a, a rather large stack of ribbons. You got to put all these little attachments on it. And we were using like double-sided tape and tweezers. And I am, I ended up like gluing my fingers together. I had, <laughs> you know, stars stuck to my head. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, there's got to be some kind of uh, device out there that makes this easier. And I went on Google couldn't find it. And then I started, I actually, you know, went a little bit further down the rabbit hole, did a patent search. There was no patent filed on any type of thing that made that easier. And so then I was like, Hey, this is something that would make a lot of money. And just like I said, what most people do, even after I paid for the patent search, you know, I just went on living my life and I just forgot about it. Cause yeah. I'm always so busy. You got the family, you got the work and fast forward five years later, I'm now a major and I'm at a, another place called the basic school serving as an instructor. And one of the captains there had won a Marine Corps logistics innovation challenge. They flew him out to California. He pitched his idea, some tech startup came back and he was just talking to me about it. And I was like, well, that's really cool. And because he you know, had gone through all this innovative kind of process, I was like, hey, I had an idea once. And I just told him the idea, you know, I didn't have him sign an NDA or anything. And then he came back three days later and he had actually like sketched it out and had some ideas. And it was like more real than anything I'd ever done because also, I think where a lot of people get held up is, you know, prototype design. Like, how do you make a prototype? Uh, most people are probably like, uh, I'm not sure how you do that. Right. And so when he came back and actually had, you know, some sketches, you know, 100% of nothing is nothing. And so if this guy could bring it to life, I knew I wasn't going to do anything with it. So I basically said, hey, man, 50-50, we'll split this. If you can make this come into a reality, I'm probably not going to do anything with it. Uh, we shook hands. And then that started probably a two-year process of, of us bringing it to life before we launched it. Um, but, you know, launched it and it's doing real well. Yeah, that's great. I think I think there are a lot of good points in there. And one thing I wanted to kind of touch on, you it sounds like you were very fortunate that you came across another Marine that kind of could put your vision on paper. You know, I think some people aren't as fortunate, you know, to, to have that. So 
I mean, had had you not come across someone who could help you that way, like would there have been another direction you would have gone to to try to prototype it? Had you had you looked at anything, or had you considered, uh, you know, outsourcing the design? Had you done anything that, um, or had you looked at any other options for, you know, uh, someone else to help you with the design, or was it just kind of back burner and it happened just kind of randomly? Well, so my, what what my partner did was he found this three D modeling software called Tinkercad. You can okay. Google it. You don't need really a, a 3D CADing or design software background to get on there and kind of just manipulate it. Uh, it just takes time, right? Who has time to sit there and play with it? But he took the time to teach himself. He's a real smart guy. Okay. And so we started thinking about, you know, injection mold. There's companies you can pay out there to just build prototypes. Um, what we ultimately ended up doing was 3D printing it. And where I'm at now is you can pay someone to build a 3D CAD file. So they'll sign an NDA, they'll send you the CAD file, and then you can very cheaply print it out. And so that's what I'd recommend to most people. But there are things that are a lot more complicated that you can't just 3D print. So that's the route I went. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it depends on your specific situation. I think 3D printing and access to it, it is so prevalent today that a lot of people don't even realize it. There's, there seems to be two barriers. The first one is people are like, I don't know anything about 3D printing, so I'm not going to do it. Right. Then the second ones are, well, I don't want to get into a business with 3D printing because soon everyone's going to have 3D printings, right? So it's like everyone sees barriers, but no one just says, hey, I don't know anything about 3D printing, but I'm a smart guy. I'll go buy some 3D printers. I'll outsource at 150 an hour for three hours a file. I'll print it and I'll go from there. And, and it's actually a lot easier than you think it is. Um, the, the thing you got to worry about is the patent process, right? So like, where are you going to file a patent in, in this and what kind of patent are you going to go for? And that's another huge learning curve for me. So we went through all that too, but, um, that's what I'd recommend. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, now how did you, how did you, uh, I should say, do you have any plans to, to scale up your production into a different type of manufacturing? Is that something that, that you're considering? Or yeah. So when, when we had that first month that was just like rocket ship sales, uh, we were getting approached by retailers and it was like, we need to go to injection mold immediately. And I contacted some, some people in China because I, I knew a girl out in Colorado that makes basically, uh, it's like a, a variation of a Keurig is the easiest way to explain it. And so she had some contacts, put me in contact with them. So I got some quotes from them and then I got a bunch of quotes uh, from the East Coast, Midwest, West Coast, Midwest, uh, Indiana, and Illinois were the cheapest, uh, seemed to be the most reliable. So I was real close to doing that. But, the, you know, just the price per unit, honestly, was much cheaper with our 3D print. And, and some of the advice I got from people was just scale until you can't scale anymore. Mm -hmm. And at this point, you know, we bought 20 3D printers and we were able to pull it off ourselves. And we even considered just buying like um, or renting out an office space and just filling it with 3D printers. Um, then you can also do like a large uh, 3D print factory. Like there's companies that'll do it, but they, they charge so much per unit labor that, that that didn't make sense to us either. So we went the route that we went, but you know, injection mold's still not off the table for me. Once you put these products into large retailers, often you're going to use a distributor. And so I use a couple of different distributors and and I'm, one of them has its own injection mold factory, right? So like, you know, maybe at that point, once we're doing the large enough volumes, it'll make sense for this distributor to manufacture it, package it and stock it in the stores. And I'm just playing email quarterback and collecting a check. But um, at this point, the price per unit of 3D printing is what makes the most sense for the model.
Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and that and that that's a good point. You know, when you're when you're thinking about a product, you know, it's the size of the market. How many units can you sell? You know, because it would be really easy to, at least in your case, to jump in. You know, both feet and say, we need an injection mold. We need to do this, do that. You yeah. know, and you may get to a point where you're you've purchased all these machines, you've signed all these contracts, but the market may dry up. You know, or the the mil uh, it, unlikely, but you know, just as an example, if the military change requirements on ribbons, you know, all of a sudden your product isn't isn't usable. I mean, I, that's probably not going to happen. But just as as a hypothetical, you know, so oh, absolutely, you're, you're kind but, of you know, I think I think entrepreneurs are able to be more flexible. So during COVID, we stopped getting large purchases, yeah. and me and my partner were able to take our three D print factory and start making masks. Um, so. Where if you're a young entrepreneur and you own your own production capability, you can pivot on a dime. Whereas a larger company is going to have probably a lot harder of a, of a time adjusting. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that's a good point too. I mean, there's like there's so many good points here, and there's so many things I want to want to talk about. I don't want to beat the horse too much, but uh, you know, like you said, you were able to pivot, and, and I think that's something to to be aware of too. You know, whatever whatever course you go down. You know, you, you got to be aware of all the, the landmines you might you might step on. But at the same time, you know, things come out of the blue. You know, no one would have. I don't think anybody last year would have said the, the global economy is going to practically get shut down and there's going to be a virus that's going to you know spread around the world. But, you know, maybe that's something you can't plan for, but you have to be aware that, you know, things will happen like that. And you have to kind of be nimble enough to, to make those adjustments on the fly and, and keep rolling. Uh, because it, it's too, it would have been too easy to just sit back and just say, well, you know, nobody's buying, you know, my my perfect ribbon anymore. Well, what can I do? The economy sucks. The world sucks. But you didn't do that. You know, you just said, hey, what, what's the new market? What's the new demand? Um, yep. and, and that's awesome. And I, I think that's that's a huge point. You don't want to have a boss, and that's kind of the price you have to pay. You know, if if you want to get to a point where you're in charge and you're you're not being told what to do, then this is the way to do it. This is what you got to put up with. Um, and I'm sure that it's been very rewarding for you to to grow this product from from zero, you know. And now you're making these decisions, but you're still staying afloat. You're still being successful, and you know, still making everything work, even with um, with so many things coming at us nowadays. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, that's that's really awesome. I think that's that's really inspirational. I think a lot of people really um, would really love it. I mean, more people need to know about that story, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. No, it's it is, man. I, that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you in the first place. You know, so I mean, do you have any plans? I know the Perfect Ribbon is doing well, but just hypothetically, yeah, man. I, I've got uh, I've got so many pokers in the fire that you know we talked about. You know, no one no one could anticipate this happening. I, I just launched a small uh, advertising company as well. Small now. I'm I'm hoping it turns into a big thing, but uh, we're put placing digital advertising into different spots. I don't want to go into too many details because we're just launching it. But um, the the economy just opening back up actually was an opportunity for this business model because a lot of people were more open to other ways to generate revenue. Um, And so, you know, you got to kind of just look at the landscape and figure out where the seams are. Um, and that's that's what we uh, I think Marines in the military are, are good at that, right? We're we're able to adapt and and, and figure it out. And you know, it's not specific to the military. I think most people can, but it comes back to the central point of, you know, you're not owed anything. You got to go go out there and, and take action. And you got to things are going to change, but you got to be able to move with it. No, exactly. And and I think the one thing I would add to that is one of the things that I've learned 
you know, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm coming at this from a position of, I was the one that didn't want to take the chance. I was the one that, you know, was like, ah, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. So, you know, part of my motivation for doing this podcast is kind of holding myself accountable. But, um, you know, one of the things that you said that really struck me is, you know, once you started one business, now you know how to start a business. And oh, I yeah. think, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's contagious. Yeah. Once you get success and then you figure it out, it's, it's uh, so much easier the second and third time. And then now you're just rocking and rolling. And, and, and I'm at a place now where I'm creating companies and just giving myself like 20% equity yeah. and giving the great idea to someone else and they can run with it. And, you know, you, then you just sit back and collect the check. Yeah. So I, I got tons of ideas, Brian. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's fun. It's a, it, it makes me feel alive just going out there and watching these things kind of take off. Yeah, I know that that's, I mean, no, that, that that's awesome. And, and just to kind of drive that point home, you know, for anyone that's, that's sitting back there thinking about, you know, making changes and, and thinking about, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, you, you Stu, as an example, you know, it's like we've said before, we've said several times on this show, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta move forward. You gotta take that step. And, you know, I, I don't want to go so far as to say, you know, plan for failure, but at the same time, you know, have a couple ideas, you know, on the back burner, or maybe take, maybe take an idea that maybe you're not real comfortable with and use that idea to sacrifice, you know, and just, and get started, you know, and because what you'll find is that once you're around other people that are doing the things that you want to do, it's contagious. And you might come across someone that just, just like Stu did, had you not put yourself in a position of moving forward, had you not tried to surround yourself with the people that are doing what you want to do, you may never go anywhere, but you know, with a perfect ribbon, like you said, it, it was almost kind of random. It was almost accidental. Yeah, absolutely. That, was. You talked to that other Marine and you know, there's, there's another term that I like that I didn't come up with, but you know, I, I try to live by it. It's like, you want to be the dumbest person in the room and you know, maybe that sounds crass, but it, it's really the truth because you, you want to be surrounded by people that are ahead of you because you have nowhere to go, but up. And, yep. and, and that's, you know, I, like I said, I'm saying that to, to remind myself of that. Cause that, that's what I try to live by. You know, I want to surround myself by, with people that, that are doing what I want to do because, you know, it's it, something as simple as knowing someone that, Hey, I know how to design a CAD file or I know how to, um, you know, operate a 3d printer. It's one of those things that you may struggle with. You know, you may have, you may have a hard time designing something, and you may just come across someone who's great mechanically, but maybe they're not a, the best marketer. And it's those relationships that that I think really catapult businesses and catapult um, ideas. And you never know when it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen if you don't put yourself out there. And yeah, you be you become your friends. Is said another way. And yeah. I can't tell you as a as a young entrepreneur how many networking events I go to, and you know, forty nine out of fifty usually lead to like nothing tangible in terms of money, mm -hmm. but you never know where this connection or that connection will go. And a lot of my friends, like the, the digital advertising company that I, I started, uh, I met a guy at a networking event, never met him before. Yeah. He was the, a Marine Raider, MARSOC operator, and I was working at MARSOC at the time. And so we had that in common. We met at the entrepreneur networking event and look, I'm starting a business with them now. And so exactly like you're saying, you, you need to go out to these events and that starts with you having an idea or kind of just leaning into it and then going and meeting these people, shaking hands, 
And it's very easy to say, well, you know, I've got to make the family dinner and I got to finish that report and not, you know, what am I going to get out of this networking event? I can't see anything tangible. I don't get out of it. So you don't go, but I'll tell you what, uh, if you truly want to take some risk and go out there and, you know, make changes, you got to start surrounding yourself with the people that you want to be. And, you know, sometimes, uh, it's, it's also easy to look at the people you don't want to be, you know, and you can size them up and say, is that who I want to turn out to be like? And, And if that's not the case, uh, maybe you should be looking somewhere else. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I can tell you firsthand, uh, I've had very similar experiences. Uh, you know, just as an example, if you're, for anyone out there that's a first responder or a veteran, there's a, an organization called uh, Bourbiz, uh, B-O-U-R-B-I-Z. And I, before COVID started, they had an event in Las Vegas that I drove out to. And it was, uh, it was a small event. It was just, it was a networking event. And those are, kind of what they specialize in. Uh, but I, they had a lot of different companies that were um, kind of displaying their their wares. It, it, I mean, just as a social event, it, it was just awesome just to be there and hang out and, and kind of be with everybody. But some of the guys from Black Raffle Coffee were there. The, the value of meeting somebody in person, I don't think can be overstated because you can be on LinkedIn all day long. And I mean, that's a great tool, but at the same time, you know, the person on the other end of that, that friend request or that connection request, they may have the best intentions, but at the end of the day, they, they don't know you and they don't know who you are. And it 100% may, agree. It may 100% not even agree with this. Yeah. It, it may not even be intentional. And, you know, especially the, the people that are real popular on a service like LinkedIn, they get requests all the time. And, you know, something may, something simple as your profile may not be totally squared away. And they may look at that and say, man, this guy looks kind of like a clown. I'm not even going to waste my time with that, but you could, you could be the best person in the world, but you know, something on your, your profile may have kind of turned them off. But you know, where I'm going with this is on the, when I went to that Burbiz event, it was, it was kind of a party to be honest, you know, they had food and, and people were drinking and stuff, but you know, I can tell you everybody that I met there was kind of on the same page as, as all of us are in on the same page as what we're talking about. You know, you had businesses there that were established. Uh, and so it was really easy to go up and talk to them and say, Hey, you know, tell me about your, about your products here. How did you guys get started? You know, it, it was really easy to talk to the guys. And I even met the, um, the guys that started a uh, warfighter tobacco and I was able to talk to them. You know, we talked for 15, 20 minutes about, you know, cigars and, and the troubles that they're having. And, and that's a conversation that I wouldn't have been able to have with, the warfighter guys or, you know, the black rifle coffee guys, or, um, I mean, even Ross Patterson was there, you know, he's a director and he's been in a couple movies and stuff. And I got to talk to him for quite a while and his wife. Um, and you know, they're nice people. Um, uh, but I, I wouldn't have had those conversations had I not been there in person and, you know, just standing there listening to the music. I met a few people that just talking to them, you know, former Marines, you know, there were obviously all branches of the service there, but you know, I met more people there and met more connections or made more connections and learned more about podcasting and different career fields in the three hours that I was there than I did, you know, probably in a month or two, you know, on LinkedIn. So, you know, just like you said, it's, you got to put yourself out there. You, you have to, and you, you have to make those sacrifices uh, because, you know, I'm in the same boat where you don't want to sacrifice time away from your family because that's, in my mind, that's the most valuable thing in the world because time is the one thing that we can never get back. You can be the richest person in the world. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, time waits for nobody. And you know, that's, 
I think all of our motivation is that I want to reclaim, you know, my time, but making that small sacrifice of your time can, I mean, it can be huge. It's going to, it's going to repay you exponentially. Yeah, I'll say, uh, in, in a different way to your, you know, very valuable networking experience. I've been to some of them talking about time where I left there and I was like, that was a waste of my time. And I've been to, let's just, uh, I'll use Bunker Lab because I'm very active in Bunker and, uh, and I like them a lot. Okay. But I've been to two or three Bunker events where I was like, I don't know if I got anything out of that. I maybe wasted my time. But then, you know, after uh, working the floor multiple times, uh, Bunker specifically in Wilmington, they invited me to be their, their keynote speaker one time. And then that led to something that led to something, right? So, you know, I just, you, you don't give up. And so even though maybe a couple of times I was like, I'm not sure I got anything out of that, you know, it, it ultimately it paid off. So I, I think sometimes it's not as obvious the value there, uh, but what's the alternative? Right. You know, you isolate yourself in your house and you don't take risk and you don't, you're not a person of action. So right. even when you, when you fail, you got to keep going out there and, and trying. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's a great point too. And just to kind of drive that home, even if you go to a networking event and even if you don't meet anybody, you're still putting yourself out there. You're still surrounding yourself with the people that you want to become. And, you know, one of the other side effects of that is, you know, if you go to a networking event and you're surrounded by a bunch of companies, you might find that, you know what, I don't want to go in this direction. You know, I, I don't want to pursue this career. You know, whatever the reason is, you have to, there's always value in everything you do. And even if it doesn't seem like you got anything from it, there, there's still something to be learned from that. And and that's one of the things that I've tried to do because, you know, there've been more than a few things in my life that haven't gone my way. But at the same time, at some point, I've always been able to say, you know what, at the time, it didn't seem like it was the right thing to happen. But looking back in retrospect, it actually worked out, you know, for the best. So again, just it's taking that action and, you know, you got to remind yourself that not every action is going to be, there's not going to be a payoff for everything, but at the same time, if you don't swing the bat, you're never going to get a hit. So get out there, put yourself out there, talk to people, you know, and, and you might find if nothing else, if you go to an event that maybe doesn't seem real productive, you might find some ways to improve yourself. You know, you might say, okay, I didn't really connect with anybody here, but why is that? You know, is it my resume? You know, do I need to touch that up? Is it, um, you know, maybe my, should I get a better suit? Should I, you know, should I learn the lingo of the company I'm trying to, you know, connect with? But I think there's always something to be learned, no matter how unsuccessful, you know, something seems, but, you know, like we're saying that the tools are out there and, you know, don't get overwhelmed with it, but it's out there and you got to take action. You got to move forward. Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't stress that enough. And that that's a lesson I've learned. And I try to, I keep trying to tell myself, cause that's something I, I I've learned, but I still struggle with it because it, it is hard to do. It's easy to say, but it's it, sometimes it's, it's hard to do. Yeah. I, but, I think it's easier just to keep going to your job and, and looking for stability and, and playing it safe. Um, I think it's hard to, you know, have an idea, follow through with it, go to these networking events, try and grow a business. And, there, and, then, and you know, we're focusing a lot on entrepreneurship. You know, we we both read books on how to invest uh, in different ways that you can you can generate wealth now that don't just uh, revolve around starting a business. Right. So uh, there are plenty of other ways and, you know, maybe we'll get into that. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I read a book recently that was talking about how to be a millionaire and, and retire at 50. And, 
I felt like the author's main theme was just live very frugally mm -hmm. and make extra mortgage payments and save all your money and don't go spend and don't buy coffee and don't buy cigarettes. Yeah. And, and I was just like, I, you know, I don't know if that's the recipe I want. I, I don't want to live frugally just so I can have enough money to die off of yeah. it. I, I think I'd rather go out swinging and be broke at the end of the day and at least, you know, have taken a chance than just live frugally and squirrel away money so that I can have enough to survive off of. Well, I agree with that. And I think it comes down to, comes down to knowledge and education. And I think, I mean, to be fair, I think there is some value in a lot of those books that talk about, you know, living frugally, because I, I think at least in today's culture, I think a lot of people don't understand the value of, of money. And, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, everybody knows what a dollar's worth. Everybody knows, you know, $10, $20, but you know, when you read some of those books about, you know, living frugally and financial independence and how to, to make your money work for you, you, you kind of understand the concept of using your money to, to grow your assets. You know, it's not about having a fixed amount of money in the bank. It's about how do I use that money in the bank, you know, to, to work for me. And, you know, that's, you know, I definitely want to talk about this on, a, on another show. We'll, we'll really dive deep into it. But um, I think the point, at least for today, is you want to educate yourself, like we said, you know, and living frugally is great, you know, because there are benefits to it. But at the same time, like you said, you know, is that is that your goal? You know, is that is that really what you want to do? Because if if that's what you want, then, you know, so be it. Because I know there are a lot of people that that really enjoy, you know, clipping coupons and, and saving as much money as they can. And, you know, I know uh, there's a blogger, Mr. Money Mustache, who we'll, we'll probably talk about, but that's kind of his thing is he just cut out all of his expenses, you know, and he got to a point where he had almost no expenses and the little bit of money that he had coming in was able to sustain his, his meager lifestyle. And, <laughs> you know, if that's what you're into, you know, good for you, man. I, I won't, I won't judge anybody for that, but I'm not into that. Yeah. You know, I, I try to strike a balance, you know, my, my yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody yeah. said one time and you said it too, and it, and it, it struck home with me one time. It's like, you know what? You never know when you're going to die. And that's not an excuse to, to live recklessly, especially if you have a family, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you know, you, you have to find that balance for yourself. You have to be able to say, I understand the choices, you know, that I'm making. And if, if buying coffee, you know, is, if buying a coffee improves your life and you understand what the, what the true cost of that cup of coffee is, then, then so be it. You know, it's not my, it's not our place to, to tell you not to do that, you know, but if you're one of those people that says, I don't have any money, I'm broke. I, nothing ever happens. You know, I'm, I hate my lot in life. Okay. Well, if that's you, then you need to look at buying coffee. You know, then you need to look at, you know, all these choices you're making, because if, if you're trying to improve yourself and you're, you know, in neutral, well then, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe not buying the lattes is going to make a difference, but at the same time, if you don't understand what those numbers are, if you don't track your spending, if you don't, you know, get a good picture of the money coming in and the money going out, you're never going to know how to make changes. And that's, I think, the point I want to drive home. It's as long as you understand where you're at and as long as you understand where you want to go, you have options. You know, you don't have to stay in a job you don't like. You don't have to be broke um, because even if you have a, a modest career, you know, with a, a modest income, everybody has things in their life that they can, they can cut out and, you know, 
if if you choose to to buy the cable TV subscription or you know buy a nicer car, you know, good for you. But everything comes with a cost, um, and it comes down to figuring out where you want to be. Uh, because I mean, at the end of the day, the more frugal you are, and the more money you save, the more money you use working for you, the better off you're going to be, you know, in the long run. Um, and that's, you know, that end state is different for everybody. You know, some people like it, like we talked about, you know, they're perfectly happy working a nine to five job, W2 job. And then, yeah, you know, I mean, I would say the majority of people are like that. Yeah. And you know, what I've noticed too, in my own life is that when you are in a position like that, there's something to be said for being comfortable. And I can tell you personally, I've had plenty of jobs that I was comfortable with. I didn't necessarily like them, but I was comfortable and they were, they were okay jobs. They paid okay, but it was nothing spectacular. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to make yourself uncomfortable to, to get, to, to move forward. And one of the things that I always talk about, I always tell people is, there was a time in my life when I got laid off and I lost my job about two months after my twins were born. So there was, yeah. And at the time, I mean, she still is, but my wife is a teacher and she had taken an extended leave when she was pregnant and she had also scheduled some extra leave um, to take care of, you know, the twins when they were born. So not only was my wife out of work, we had gone through almost all of our savings just to try to be home with, with the twins. And then I got laid off right as our bank account pretty much got to zero. So I've been in a position where I've had no money in the bank and no food in the pantry and two infants at home. (laughs) And I'll tell you that that is as a man, one of the worst feelings that I would ever wish upon anybody. Um, it was, it's, it's horrible, but at the same time, it was a punch in the gut. And I, I I think that going through adversity like that can be beneficial. I I don't want to see anybody's children starve. Don't get me wrong. But had I not had that experience, had I not been in that position of being at practically the bottom you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. We were never homeless or anything, but had I not had the potential for being out on the street, <laughs> I would have never made the changes I did to. Just... How, how old were you, Brian, when that happened? Oh, that was, I was probably 28, maybe. Yeah. Uh, late, late twenties. Um, yeah, probably 27, 28. And you know, that came at, a, that was, that was about 2008, uh, 2009 timeframe. Yeah. And, you know, that came at a time when I was, I was comfortable in my careers. You know, I was, like I said, I had okay jobs. I was making decent money, you know, but I had no financial education. You know, I had no formal education and I was kind of floating, you know, I, I really was, um, and don't get me wrong, you know, I had nothing to complain about, but I was just kind of going with emotion or going with the current, you know, I would say. And had that not happened to me, I probably still would have been just kind of floating around in a, in a mediocre career. Uh, 
shock to the system, man. I think yeah. it happened at the perfect time in your life. No, it uh, did. It really makes you look at yourself and question some things. That's actually a pretty awesome story. Yeah, it's, you know, and I would say, and like I said, you know, there, that was one of those things in my life that happened. And it was at the time, you can't see the forest through the trees, but it, I really feel like, you know, I, not to make this religious or anything, because everyone has their own beliefs, but, you know, at least in my own life, I've always felt that there's, there's a higher power out there that's kind of unseen, that's kind of nudging me in the right direction. And sometimes those nudges aren't very comfortable, but you know, where I'm going with this is, you know, I was fortunate that at the time that happened, I woke up and said, I got to make some changes. And it wasn't long after that, that, uh, you know, I started my, my current career. Um, and you know, the, the irony is when I started the career I'm in now, I had completely anticipated that that's it. You know, like I'm going to, I got this job, it pays well, comes with a pension. Um, you know, my, my intention was to retire because at the time, you know, the idea of turning 50 or 57 or whatever it is, it seemed impossible. You know, when you're, when you're in your twenties, you look at, I mean, I, I can tell you like looking at Marines that were staff sergeants, gunnery sergeants, you know, you look at those Marines and like, I'll never be that old. Like, I remember thinking that, <laughs> you know, I got, I, I, I say that to people, you know, and I'm, and now I think back, I'm all, son of a bitch. I'm as old as they are, you know? So, and now I look at the, I look at young Marines now and I'm like, I was never that young, but I, the, the point is, you know, things have changed so much in, in the 10 years, you know, since I've been in my career that now I've kind of realized like I've, I've plateaued and I don't want to do that. Like I, there's so much more opportunity out there, you know, and the, the world has changed in the last 10 years so much that I don't have to stay in this career if I don't want to, you know, um, and don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy what I do. And I think the, the things that I've done have, have been very valuable and I'm very proud of the work that I've done. But at the same time, like you said, I still work for somebody else and I still deal with bureaucracy and I still deal with employees that maybe don't perform as well as they should or have the, the work ethic that, you know, um, a kindergartner does, but that's another, another topic, but, uh, you know, yeah, we're getting, we're getting close to it, man. You want to talk about what we're going to roll out, uh, for the season? Yeah. Uh, so I was going off on a tangent. I was having flashbacks. I'm sorry. Flashbacks from my, uh, <laughs> no, it's a good, good story, man. Uh, but yeah. So thanks for uh, getting me back on track, but where I was going with all that is, you know, our motivation for starting this show is for people like me that, are kind of stuck and have been stuck, but we want to highlight all the opportunity that's out there. And we don't want to just highlight the opportunity that, that that's available to people. We want to give concrete examples of people that have been in positions like I've been, you know, and people like Stu, you know, where either maybe they've been in a career they haven't liked, or, you know, maybe they've, they've started from scratch. But I can tell you that just as a preview, we have, um, I have a gentleman named Mark Miller who started a watch company. Um, he's going to be on the show in the coming episodes. I have a friend of mine that uh, also worked in a bike shop when he was younger. And actually, we uh, we worked together for a couple years. And he started his own bike shop. He got uh, some funding from some uh, private individuals. Now he owns his own shop, doing really well in uh, California. 
have a, another guy um, who runs a company called Mountain Hatch. And all they do, they make, they make one product. They make a, it's basically a plastic cutting board material, but they use it as a replacement panel for the backside of a tailgate on most pickup trucks. And oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like much, and it sounds kind of kooky, but the point is, they came up with an idea that was super simple, that nobody else was doing, and I just actually was in his uh, office the other day, and they're crushing it. He has more business than he knows what to do with, um, simply because he came up with an idea, he started in his garage, and he made a good product, he makes it here in the US, uh, and they're, they have more business than they know what to do with. So he's going to be on the show. Uh, we have a lot of other guests lined up. So I know, uh, Stu, you have some guests lined up too. What do you have uh, coming up? Yeah, so I've got I've got quite a few. I'm super excited about it because, you know, as we said at the beginning, I just want to learn. And I've got so many questions for a lot of these guys. But I've got guys that, um, you know, never went to college and started their own uh, car decal store. And now they basically wrap all the buildings in downtown St. Louis for Cardinals games and just – uh, great success. I've got another buddy that got out of the Navy and actually got in trouble, got, uh, you know, dishonorably discharged. And so in a way was like a felon and, uh, he started a decking company in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And he, he's doing, you know, like half a million a year. Um, it's just stories like that where, uh, people weren't owed anything, maybe down, but just put in the work. You know, we're willing to take a risk. Some of them had more options than others, but all of them are just impressive. And, and I just want to learn from them. So I'm super excited about it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, and that's exactly what we want to highlight. You know, it's a, you know, especially your friend that, you know, got dishonorably dis discharged. You know, for somebody like that, it'd be real easy to, to say, ah, you know what, F the Navy, you know, F everybody, you know, it, it'd be real easy. And I, I think we all know people like that, you know, that have had a less than stellar career in the military, but, no matter what happens to you, no matter what, no matter where you're at in life, you can change it, you know, and you can't change the past, but you have the tools to, to change your future. And that's the point that we're, we want to drive home. And we want everybody to understand is that the future is absolutely what you make it. And in this time in human history, you've never had more opportunity to do that for yourself. There's never been another time in history like this where you can literally do anything you want from the palm of your hand. You can start a business on your phone. You can open an Amazon store. Like, you, there's so many things you can do just to get started. You know, and yeah, and maybe we're gonna you don't, get into all of them. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, as you can tell, we're we're excited. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot we want to say. So we don't want to uh, beat the, beat <laughs> Over, that horse too overdo much. Overdo it. <laughs> exactly. We don't want to ruin the surprise. But. Uh, yeah, so I get that sounds like a good place to to wrap it up for today. So uh, I want to thank everyone out there that that's listening. Um, we hope uh, we hope you got some good information from this episode, and we know that uh, the episode's coming up. You're really gonna enjoy, and we know uh, there's gonna be some great information for everybody, no matter no matter where you're at. So we really uh, look forward to uh, talking to you guys in the future. So with that, I think uh, we'll yeah, sign off for see, this week. See you guys next time. Yeah, thanks everybody. Have a good day.